0: Hello, and welcome to Chatty AF, the Anime Feminist Podcast. I'm Dee, the Managing Editor at Anifem. I also run the anime blog, The Jose Next Door, and you can find me on Twitter, at Jose Next Door. And today I am joined by fellow Anifem staffers, Rye and Caitlin.
1: Hey, uh, I'm Vry, I'm an editor and contributor at Anime Feminist. Uh, I'm a freelancer on the internet, so you can, if you go to my Twitter, at WriterVry, uh, and look at my pinned thread, you can find all the places I freelance and do stuff, or you can find the other podcast I'm on at Trash Pod. Hi, I'm
2: Caitlin, a writer and editor for Anime Feminist, as well as uh, having my own blog that I've been neglecting, uh, I have a heroin problem, heroin with an E and the anime expert for The Daily Dot.
0: And today we'll be continuing our newbie guide watch along of Escaflowne covering episodes seven through 13. Where, I mean, really nothing important happened. It was a pretty slow stretch, except <laughs> that um, Asturias King chased everyone out. Uh, Delando and Alan made a bunch of bad choices. Vaughn killed a snake. Alan got stabbed. Everyone went to Freyd. They met Prince Cheed. Prince Cheed met his baby daddy, but doesn't know it. A doppelganger joined the cast and then died. Uh, Zybok burned Freyd to the ground. Uh, the Duke of Freyd told his son to never, ever, ever let anyone ever unlock Atlantis' sealed power. And then immediately changed his mind and died. Um, they gave the sword, the ceiling sword, to Zybok. Um, and Vaughn may have fused with his robot. So I think that was everything.
1: Escaplone. Did I miss anything <laughs> Everything, everything happened so much. So much.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, certainly not boring. Pretty easy to, to binge. Um, which also means we should have lots of stuff to talk about today, which is exciting. So I guess just to kind of kick us off, how did folks enjoy this very busy stretch of episodes? It's
2: good. It's very good. Um, the characters, the character stuff was always very good. And, you know, I the plot, all like I said, <clears throat> we said last week, the plot always falls right out of uh, our heads after we watch it. So all of the the big plot twists in general were not total surprises, but like, oh, right. Yeah, that was a thing, wasn't
1: it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting to wa- rewatch because... All the plot fell out of my head except for like two major, this is a series that loves twists and there were, there's one major twist that I remember that I know isn't till the very end of the show and there's one that I keep expecting to come along any day now. Like, is it this, is it, no, I guess it's in the next crop of episodes, all right, but I'm still having a good time. It, it has been interesting in that we mentioned at the end of the last episode that kind of right as we were, we were prepping for the first episode of the watch-along right as Funimation was taking its toys and going home from Crunchyroll. So I went from watching the HD subs, uh, the, the HD remaster on Crunchyroll, to not wanting to deal with Funimation's whole thing and pulling up my old uh, Gennion DVDs, which is not an HD remaster. And let me tell you, the visible difference is palpable. Yeah. And and <laughs> yeah, also those DVDs are very old because it's, it's one of those where... If say you have to pick up the run of new episodes in the middle of a disc, and you click on a middle episode, it only plays that episode. It will not just start and play the rest of the disc from there. No, no.
0: So you had yourself a great time uh, yeah. with your uh, with your DVDs. Is it is it just that the is the art just a little bit like a little less polished looking, uh, just like the.
2: It's just kind of fuzzy.
1: It's a little fuzzy in places. There was some screen tearing on my TV until I turned it off and back on, and then it popped back into the smaller ratio. And also, it just looks more washed out. Like when you watch a tape too many times and the image starts to degrade, the HD remaster looks a lot sharper.
2: I wonder how many people listening to this podcast are going to really recognize that, that feeling when the disc starts to degrade or when
1: the tape excuse you we're very old (laughs) yeah
0: that's a good point you just you just dated us Uh, (laughs) um well done (laughs) dry i mean dvd
2: hasn't been around that long i was in high school it's been maybe they won't remember it but they might have
0: experienced it okay <laughs> anyway, guys anyway. we don't have to we don't have to have a crisis about this it's fine um yeah and, and, and caitlin yes uh caitlin you would said you wanted to say something about because you've been watching the dub how's that going it i mean because i'm still watching the sub because all-star cast as i said last week can't not watch right. it mm-hmm. subbed
2: well because the funimation app is garbage mm-hmm. um yes. just hot garbage and uh I can't seem to get it to play the subtitles. You have to be subscribed like, to... I am subscribed.
1: Oh, and it's still. That's fun.
2: Yeah, well, it it gives me the option, and then I select the option, and then it puts it in raw Japanese with no subtitles. And I'm like, hey, Funimation, can I please have some subtitles? And they're like, what's that? You just want the Japanese? And I'm like, no, give me subtitles. <laughs> and they're like, okay, you can <laughs> understand Japanese, I guess. Uh you know perfectly fluently enough to watch a series without any subtitles here you go I'm like no <laughs> so I ended up having to switch to the dub um which it's fine like it's a perfectly acceptable dub like uh Caitlin Glass is good Aaron Dismuk is good like everyone in it is good just the Japanese cast was so amazing, and Fulcan's voice is Vic Mignona. And I'm sorry, but excuse no. me,
1: no, I assumed he'd be playing Alan because trash bag blonde, but no, ew. he's
2: Folken, and it just, you know, he he he's speaking in a lower register than he usually does, but it's still like. It doesn't work for me. Yeah, no he
1: uh, he can uh, act no, when he feels like it. He was on t- the Tiger and Bunny dub, and I didn't even immediately recognize his very irritating omnipresent voice.
2: Um, he was good in the Princess Tutu dub too. Mm. Um, yeah, but we're he's, getting a little off track. He's guys no, <sighs> he's no Joji Nakata, uh, no. is what I'm getting at. Um, so yeah, no, that, that's fair.
0: I'm I'm fortunate enough. The Funimation app is working for me. It's finicky, but uh, I am able to pipe it through my phone uh, via Chromecast. So nice. Um,
2: Chromecast. So is I'm, another I'm, thing that hates subtitles for me. Oh no, I'm cursed. I'm
0: sorry. Yeah, I, I guess. Um, but it's kind of fun that we're all having slightly different experiences with them. Because Caitlin, you're. Uh, sorry. No, Vrai, you're also watching a different translation. Because Funimation oh, really? retranslated
1: Interesting. It.
0: So, and I mean, I'm sure they'll be about the same, but um, it will be interesting as, as we're talking about this if we come across any any. uh
1: Yeah, I actually did any, any clashes wonder there? wonder about that. Because it, you know, I didn't, I mean, it, it had a different feel to it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so that is. Also, the DVDs come with these little extras they filmed around the TV, um, t- as just extras for the home release called Club escaflote which is mm-hmm. really cute Um, that they all sat at a bar and um, and Vaughn's voice actor put on a fake mustache and uh, oh,
0: just God. asks
1: them silly questions and Joji Nakata drew the little tear on his cheek
0: <laughs>
1: they're very Von's silly
0: voice actor you mean Seki Tomokazu that is a name Come I'm on. sorry it's <laughs> early but that actually those sound amazing and I'm sad that I've I um I'm sad I never owned that particular version of Escaflone because I would happily watch the voice cast of this mess around together. But let's, uh, let's go ahead and get into the meat of the conversation. Um, It's kind of, there's so much happening and it all kind of interweaves that I wasn't 100% sure how to structure this one. So I thought maybe we'd kind of just go character to character and uh, bounce around as needed. So uh, let's check in, I guess, first with our protagonist Hitomi in this uh, stretch of episodes. So, uh, how's, how's she doing this week, guys? She's still
2: good. Well, she's having a rough time, but she's very good.
1: Yeah, it, it is interesting, like, I, um, because, you know, she has her big crisis of faith, uh, rejecting the call moment if we're going Not that we should go by Joseph Campbell. He's ancient and overbearing, but, you know, she she has to have that moment where she doubts what she's doing and starts to take it seriously. And I found it interesting that I had this moment where, like, you know, if you take the, if you take the whole, these are scary visions thing and replace it with, I'm having really vivid hallucinations whenever I do this and it's freaking me out, somehow it made more sense to me as, yeah, this would be really overwhelming for a teenager. Like a 15-year-old yeah, well, teenager.
2: You know, if she has, like, the divination powers and she's, um, you know, before she, like, told fortunes for her friends, like, ordinary high school kids, then she's not going to see uh much that's upsetting, but when she is in a different world in the middle of a war, like, she's gonna see some pretty horrible stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and her I mean her powers are getting stronger. Um I mean her the the lock in she had with uh Zongi? that's his name, right? The uh, Zongi, sorry, the Doppelganger. Um the lock in she has with him, she dies for like a decent chunk of time. Um and pictures him dying uh functionally twice and cannot stop it. Uh so yeah, no, I think Hitomi's freak out here is extremely uh understandable and there's never a moment with with her. Cause there's some shows where I, where sometimes they'll do stuff like that. And it almost just feels like they're trying to inject drama and one thing I really enjoy about Escaflone, at least thus far, is despite the sheer amount of nonsense that's happening, and I do have some quibbles with the Duke of um, uh uh-huh. because of the the about because of the about face in that final episode where he's like, "You must always protect this. and he's like, "Actually, never mind." <laughs> Within about five minutes of each other, other the the main characters, I think the internal logic of who they are propels the story forward really well, and I think so when there's. So the the drama that comes out of that, or the I, calling it drama makes it sound like I'm talking about like you know melodrama, and I'm not. I think the way Escalone builds in a lot of like soap opera elements, I think it does it like kind of low key, um, which is which is to me more fun and entertaining that way. You mean like secret um, love
2: child. God.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, we will get to the secret love child. <laughs> um, but before we do, uh, my point was. Um, like I don't feel like Hitomi's like no I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do this for you guys felt like oh well they're just trying to slow down the story it felt very much like no it it tracks this is a thing Hitomi would do in this situation based on like the severe amount of trauma she's gone through in the past few days it, yeah. it was um, I also mm-hmm. I also like that uh, sorry what were you gonna say for oh her? no
1: I I was just. Um, I guess the reason I was thinking about it is I feel like it's so common with female protagonists for people to be like, you know, why don't you just spine up and do this thing? You're the protagonist of a fantasy anime. Clearly, we know you're going to do the thing. So why are you being whiny? And I I feel like it's very fair for her to say, no, I don't. I don't want to do this. This is upsetting. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, and I like that there's an element of, um, especially when we talked about the manga last week and how she's really just like a literal object in that, I like that the conversation is kind of framed around like she walks in on the guys and they're like, hey, so you're going to do this for us, right? We're going to use your power. And she's like, I'm not your freaking tool. Like she even says, yeah. I don't want to be used as your tool. Um, and I so I like that there is kind of this pushback of like, you know, I'm not I'm not like a sword you can just wield. Um, I'm a person and this is very hard for me. Yeah. And um, I also really like that that ends th- within the next episode. Von like goes up to her, and is like, "Hey, I'm sorry, I wasn't thinking about you, and that wasn't cool of me." Um, he's a good boy. He's oh a my sweet god, they're boy. so
1: cute! Like it- in grand fantasy or adventure anime, I that have romantic subplots, I so often have difficulty caring about it above the level of like they're okay, I guess. But I really like their Von and Hitomi's dynamic. Like they're so sweet. Well,
2: it's so like. It, it is so character-driven, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yo, do you know, Dee was saying that, like, the character drama drives the story, and that's sort of why, like, I think that's why the plot tends to fall out of people's heads is because it is the stuff with, like, the the international conflict and what's the name of the place? Why am I thinking Zeon? Uh, the Zybok. Zybok. The Zybok Empire? <laughs> yeah. The, not the Zeon Empire. The Zybok Empire. I don't see how I could ever make that mistake. <laughs> um, <laughs> you yeah, like tired. all that stuff is pretty um not tangential but it it's pretty broadly sketched whereas like the character drama is so intricate and it all like interlocks together um it's like a tank like not a tangled mess that makes it sound like it's a mess but it is all like it is deftly woven together so like of course like the your investment is going to be in the characters it's not like a side note and like in some like big fantasy epic sorry um it's not a side note in some, this big fantasy epic so much as um it is the main point and the epic is just sort of more
1: a vehicle for the character action mm-hmm whereas i feel like it is
0: yeah i would agree with that yeah
1: it is very opposite in the manga i think which is again more traditionally shonen where their relationship is very tangential feeling like there's a kiss near the end and it's like oh, all right i guess we're back to this now anyway back to the final conflict <laughs> yeah
0: well and i really like i really like how we are seeing a relationship develop over the course like i don't like at this point i think maybe they're slightly aware that they might kind of have a crush on each other, but it's not like they're just, they're friends. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't say just, Mm -hmm. they are friends at this point. Like they have, they have developed an organic friendship with each other, um, based on a lot of mutual aid and like respect for one another. And it's great. And so it's like, I feel like I can confidently ship them whether or not they eventually ease into a romance or not. Um, it feels like that's the direction the show is going, but we don't know that for sure. Um, and, uh, I, again, it's like, like Frye said, like, it's easy to, I think it's easy to get behind it because you do sort of are able to see kind of these, these shared uh, points and like why they would like each other and want to spend time with each other. And that, that scene in the woods where they just kind of open up about their uh, childhoods and their siblings was just really sweet. Yeah. Um, Oh my god, they're both such good And we need we need more we need more anime romances to take some pages out of the out of the von hitomi book Mm -hmm. i would say yeah Yeah. because
1: i I feel like there are modern versions of this basic dynamic that are basically more extreme and for lack of a more anime bullshit because they're more broadly sketched and those are insufferable but like these two feel so natural like human people Mm
0: -hmm. yeah absolutely and again i think i think the fact that the show is in no hurry to to make that ship happen is uh helps it along a lot
2: mm-hmm. this is what you can do when you have 26 episodes we
0: well I mean there's that but also we did a fushigi yugi watch along last year and I'm pretty sure they fell in love within like three episodes so well yeah okay. necessarily the amount of episodes you have
2: yes that is true but you know having that longer span of episode makes it so that you have the option of an organic mm-hmm. <laughs> of an organically growing relationship as opposed to choosing to make them fall in love after talking to each other twice.
0: Yeah, I that I totally agree with. And again, I think the the fact that it's character driven, having those twenty six episodes, allows you to spend more time. With everybody, and this show does a really nice job of kind of checking in on people, even if you're not even really getting dialogue from them. Like there was, there was a really nice kind of back and forth where Hitomi's talking to uh, Cheed and the two of them were kind of talking about like um, basically the power of positive thinking, and we'll get into that. We'll get into that <laughs> later because that's kind of a, a running a running <laughs> theme. Yeah, they, they t- Hitomi shares the secret with uh, Prince Chid, <laughs> um, and we'll talk about that later because I do think that's kind of a running theme in the show that I want to I want to touch base on. Um, but simultaneously, like, uh, Vaughn is practicing archery in the forest and, like, trying to get used to picturing things with his eyes closed. And there's no dialogue there, but it just – it's a really nice touchstone for what he's doing and kind of um, hammers home what he eventually tells Hitomi when he apologizes to her is that sense of, like, oh, yeah, I shouldn't force somebody else to do this. Like, this is something – if if it's that important to me, I should be working harder on it myself. And I just so just little things like that where they'll they'll touch in on characters or like just a few shots of a person. It builds the cast very well.
1: Yeah, I, I do feel like the one slight downside is that even though it feels more earned than when this stuff tends to happen is, she, is that the, the tradeoff for Hitomi having this crisis in an understandable way. She's very fainty during this batch of episodes. Like
0: I mean, her heart stops. Are you talking about her heart no, stopping? No, God. Because I wouldn't call that being fainty.
1: <laughs> no, uh, I, I mean, like, specifically the moment where where, um, where they, they have the fight with Delando, and she's, she's kind of forced to help Vaughn pilot, which on the whole, I think, is... Is is a nice moment of them working together. I think the show salvages it, but it, it's where it gets the closest thus far to her being like, I thought I could do it, but actually, uh, Vaughn, I need you to do it and I'll I'll be on the sidelines. Like I do think it works, but Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I
0: uh that was No, that was something I wanted to I wanted to talk about too, is um I do think this arc uh sidelines Hitomi a little bit and part of it is I mean it does, but it doesn't. Like she gets kidnapped early on. There's I think there's a few different attempts from the other characters to kind of objectify her and the narrative pushes back against that. Um, but I think part of Vaughn sort of coming into his own, I like that plot point because I think there's kind of a running, um, I think there's kind of a running idea, especially in these episodes about like, um, who can like find the things that are unseen, like the secrets, the hidden things. And, uh, Hitomi's adept at it. Malerna it turns out is really good at it. And we are definitely going to talk about Malerna in a second here. Um, and we don't really see it from the guys so much. It's, so it's almost like kind of a feminine-coded characteristic in like the ability to kind of like wait and listen and pay attention to what's going on around you, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think could have leaned really hard into like the separate, the different genders are just have these ingrained qualities type thing. Um, and so the fact that Vaughn like takes an interest in it and wants to learn how to do it and is in fact learning how to do it. Um, I think that's I think that's a good I think that's a good way to kind of show like traditionally feminine characteristics being an asset and how they're not just intent they're not just something that only the women's can have you know what I mean yeah definitely
1: <laughs> like the, absolutely that he, even in shoujo, that is like really about making feminine-quoted qualities, powerful and useful, there can still be that divide between the genders type thing. So it is nice to see Vaughn doing that.
0: Yeah, and the unfortunate side effect of that is that it does kind of end up sidelining Hitomi a bit in this stretch because um, she's like, well, you can do it yourself. So I don't <laughs> have to. Um, so, I mean, it's something to keep an eye on going forward, like, you know, if they find... Um, and certainly Hitomi still uh, does plenty because she, you know, functionally exposes the doppelganger because she's able to see past past that disguise and i mean she also finds out about the baby daddy but has a uh, respect to chosen <laughs> not to say anything um okay do we want to talk about malerna next since i did just mention her yeah i
1: i, I think so. um I, I really like uh, like it's one of those things that again is this show demands so much sincere sincere engagement like if you start to poke at it even a little bit, it, co- it it comes apart. It demands like this this very sincere like, oh, oh, you're trying. Oh, you're doing the thing. Because like Malerna's Malerna secretly being a doctor is so very almost on, on one level. Like, you know, she's pink and feminine, but you know, girls can do stuff too. But also it's like, oh, oh, she has to have her own personhood and her own goals that she had to put aside. And oh, I feel for her. And look, yeah. she helped. Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, I don't think, you know, like, you seem to be implying, like, it's almost, like, disingenuous that, like, how she's, it's like, oh, she's girly girl, but she's also a doctor. But I thought that was really cool. Because um, keep in mind, this was, like, the mid-90s, like, so she's not, it's not a matter of her rejecting femininity, like, because it would be so, like, I think an equivalent sort of thing that we might see um especially out of why fantasy is like she doesn't oh she's a princess who wants to be a doctor and she like refuses to wear fancy dresses and she hates going to balls you know that sort of thing um but showing that she is uh intelligent and like has you know like you said has personhood and goals outside of trying to be a doctor shows that um is it i don't what i don't think necessarily they're going for a, a dominant me- uh an actual message with it but you know she is girly and she is also trying to be a doctor and you know i'm not saying like oh it's feminist that she is girl- feminine and mm-hmm. you know wants to do a traditionally masculine uh approach like i'm not yeah, going no. to try to make that argument because it's a tired argument and it is full of holes but i didn't really have an issue w- with it they both felt like organic parts of her character
1: no, yeah, I, I I like it. It's just, um, It reminded... What I was saying is that it was... I think this show often, on the surface, looks like it's doing dumb things that other shows have done, but it's in the execution that it ends up looking better. Like... I have watched plenty of shows where something like the the girly character has a secret masculine skill, and that's cool, and then that's used for one plot point, or isn't used at all. It's just like an informed characteristic. But with Malerna, it makes sense with who she is and her characterization, and it comes in handy in a number of situations throughout this stretch of episodes. Like, it's not just tied to her having a crush on Alan and saving him that one time, and then it kind of floats into the background. So, like, I, I do think it's well done. It just... I keep having that thought about this show broadly. If that makes sense?
2: Yeah. <clears throat> I guess. Um, I just, yeah. I like, I like Malerna, um, I like how she, I like her, uh, cute little blouse and leggings combo for when she's, uh, <laughs> when a dress isn't pra- practical.
1: She has very adorable fashion.
2: I I like how like the moment she realized she's going to be spending more time with Hitomi, she's just like, well, we might as well just get along. I might as well not be like a total like catty bitch to her and gives her her duffel bag back.
0: Yeah, they pretty much just immediately get along, which I appreciate. Hitomi is very likable, and so are Malerna, and so is Merle. And so the three of them, like, I I do enjoy that the show has these kind of, like, underlying ideas about, oh, well, you know, Merle pretty clearly has a crush on Vaughn, and Malerna's obviously into Alan. And Hitomi's kind of, at this point, Hitomi has way more important shit to worry about than her romance. But, so but she's they both really... see her but as they're... a threat. Well, they do. But I think they, they do initially, but then, again, I think the way the series plays it is it looks like it's going to swerve into that whole, oh, they're going to compete and hate each other, but it just kind of sits in the background, and they all get along pretty well, and Merle and Hitomi have a very fun kind of um, playfully combative relationship at this point that I enjoy. Um, yeah,
1: I, I do like that the moment where where Merle thinks about, like, spitefully not telling anybody about Hitomi being in trouble lasts half a second, Cause normally that kind of thing could go on for an episode or two, and it would just be dire.
2: Yeah, and then it turns yeah. into the men yelling at her, like, "Why didn't you do this?" Ah, women, ah. silly emotional women.
0: So, yeah, so Merle has like this one tiny moment where she's like, "Ah, serves her right," and then she's like, "No, no, I, no, I gotta, I gotta help her." Um, and then Malerna too, when she gets back together, she's like, "Oh, we're gonna be hanging out. All right, let's be friends." And then they pretty much immediately are like, "There's no." There's not really a lot of like sniping or anything like that, and I really appreciate that. Yeah,
1: like the the relationships between women aren't like super forefronted in this series, but I, I do feel like they're not inconsequential either, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, again, I think it's I think it's a lot of escaploni, and there's stuff where if I was if this were an anime airing right now, I'd probably have some maybe some deeper criticisms about it here and there. But as as a show that was airing in '97, that is very much playing with a lot of the fantasy tropes that were common at the time. Um, I like the way it swerves a lot of those into um, much like healthier and more entertaining directions, and we talked about that last week as well. Um, like even with Malerna, I think that she kind of she consistently frames her like entire driving motivator around how much she loves Alan, um, but I think the narrative keeps pushing her out of that space. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. like she herself will be like i'll give up anything for you cuz love is the most important thing and she has some moments like that um where she talks about like giving up her you know her job as a as a ruler functionally um so she can like be with him and protect him and all that she, and she does save his ass several times so good for her <laughs> um but uh but at the same time i think You know what I'm saying? Like, like I think I think in her head, she's like, "This is this is my thing." But then the narrative seems to be like, "Well, no, that's not your only thing. You're also a doctor. You're um a pretty good diplomat, actually. Like, again, you saved Alan's ass, not just with your medical skills, but also with your uh speechifying skills when she talks to the Duke. And since she kind of has this desire for like you know agency and freedom, and when Alan tries to when Alan tries to get her to not do a thing she wants to do, she's still gonna fucking do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I. (laughs) I appreciate that about her as well. Um,
1: Yeah, when Alan has that, like, dramatic but I must go moment where he loads her back into the carriage and then, like, a day later, she's like, sup, I'm here. Beat you here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She just, like, immediately leaves. Um, No, he he briefly kisses her into paralysis and then when she... uh, Because he's either apparently very, very good or very, very bad. We're not sure which. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Once she gets over that, she's like, yeah, I'm not gonna stay behind, so... (laughs) <laughs> See you guys in Frayed. It's great. Um and the show does that with like everybody that Alan tries to stop from doing the things they want to do, which is kind of a character trait of his. Um he does it with Vaughn. He does it with Vaughn too. Like it's not like he doesn't it, it's more noticeable with the girls, like with Hitomi last week and then with morena this week. Um but he does it with Vaughn a few times too, where he's like, No, 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 I'll step in and take care of this, and Vaughn's like, nah dog, I want to do it. I don't need <laughs> you to protect me. Mm-hmm. He just wants um, to be the hero. He he does, but he's actually just the messiest bitch <laughs> <laughs> um, of of all the, of everyone.
1: Yeah, I've in been- all <laughs> of
0: fiction. Um, and the messier he gets, the more I like him. In my show notes, uh, in my show notes, I, you guys maybe maybe noticed this. Uh, the listeners obviously wouldn't. On my plot point for ev- on my note for every character, I have like a little thing in parentheses, and for Alan, it just says "lol." <laughs> <laughs> and that's, He's also the only one who so, doesn't
2: have any bullet points underneath
0: him. <laughs> he's well. But, I have things I want to talk about, but I wanted to like leave it open for you guys to, to say stuff as well. This, so, this is definitely y'all know that tra- I love Alan, even though he is a bag of trash.
1: Yeah, this is the trash bag rising period of Alan's character arc. I feel like. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, he,
2: like he, yeah, he just he wants to be the hero. He wants to be the cool guy who comes in and is like, I am here to save the day, and everyone's like, yeah, sorry, we already beat you to it, (laughs) or like, is like, no, shut up, go back, (laughs) go back over there.
0: I find this stretch low-key hilarious um, with him, like, I think I joked with you guys that Alan is the comic relief character in the show and you just don't realize it until you watch it through a second time. (laughs) Yeah. Because of kind of what you're talking about of, like, of, like, this sort of, in this stretch of episodes, like, the sort of mystique and, like, nightly romance around him is just, like, gradually peeled away, and you're like, oh, he's making a bad decision. Oh, that's another bad decision. (laughs) Uh,
1: Oh, every decision is bad. He
0: gets framed. Most of his decisions are not good ones. (laughs) um, And I'm not even, like, here's the thing. I think... The show, well, well, everything with malerna is wrong and bad mm-hmm. um what if i just damn it, didn't
1: Alan. make a clean break because you kind of remind me of your dead sister who i was a hot for.
2: he can't stop flirting with girls he just he just he, he can't stop himself like it's like oh there's a pretty girl oh i guess i'm flirting with her now I, um, I guess I'll uh-oh. have to do some.
0: Well, he's so oops, and we talked about this last week like he's so wrapped up in these ideas of chivalry which some which when it sometimes works out for the best especially in terms of like military matters like. Again, he's gone to bat for Vaughn a lot and it's really it's been good. Like he's he's helped Vaughn kind of stay alive for large stretches of this series. Um and that's great and I think there's a kind of an interesting conversation being had in the series about like um loyalty to you know a nation versus to individuals or you know um a personal code like do you do what's right or do you do what the king tells you to do because he's the king and you've sworn loyalty to him um because alan gets framed for treason in this episode for the one treason he hasn't committed (laughs) he's committed all the other treasons um but i think but i think the show does ask the question like you know was that was that actually treason and malerna fights for him and says no he's ultimately trying to help asteria and everybody um, by standing against Zybok because my dad's wrong, um, so from that aspect, I think I think that some of these like sort of some of these like moral codes he follows are interesting and like of value. But on the other side of things, he a messy bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> I just keep saying I don't yeah. use that
0: word very often, but I feel like in this context, it is very important that I use it, and I say it with nothing but affection. You understand? I feel like your endearment um, for him
1: is endearing in itself.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like- <laughs> I, I think I've, I'm kind of, I'm trying to figure out what it is about him that I enjoy. And again, part of it is to me, he's kind of a hilarious character. I think that the, uh, and in some ways I think he's not in the same, so you know how like, okay, uh, apologies to the listeners at home who haven't seen Utena, but you know how in Utena, um there are like print, and I'm going to keep this as vague as I can. Um, there's like these princely figures in the series is like systematically, like stripping away the myth of the prince. Um, I think Escaflone's is doing that a little bit with, with the knight, with, with Alan and, and some of these, some of these concepts of chivalry. Uh, the difference to me is that in Escaflowne, it's almost, it's, it's a little bit like wish fulfillment empowerment because it's like, once you realize what's actually going on there, he has no power and he's kind of comical and sad, um, you, you know it's like oh. once it's like he keeps trying to Damn. sideline everybody and once ev- and once everyone realizes well no i'm just not gonna do what you said to do because that's not what i want to do um i think it's like it's like blam he's gone he's not even really a factor in this stretch of episode he gets hurt immediately everybody has to do everything for him you know von and his homie have to prove his innocence uh, malerna has to keep the king of keep, keep the duke from like i don't know uh What did they used to do? Draw them and quarter them and hang them by the neck until dead? I think something to that effect. Um, Jesus.
1: All all of those steps.
0: And I think that's kind of of great.
1: You like him the way I like Sionji. This makes sense now. I would say that Sionji is worse
2: than Alan, though. Oh,
1: Sionji is terrible, but I feel like he's also a sad, pathetic trash bag, and I kind of feel for him. That's true.
0: Yeah, Sionji is a hundred percent worse than Alan because um while Alan makes some very poor decisions, I don't think there's anything um malicious at the core of anything he does. I think like Caitlin says it's like he just doesn't know how to just not, not He flirt. doesn't
2: have a <sighs> lot of self awareness.
0: Like no, he, he does not.
2: He clearly has like he has this image of himself as a like, you know, the heroic chivalrous knight. And I think him being promoted to a knight so, to, like, such a high order of knights at such a young age probably, like, kind of locked, like, arrested his development, almost. Is Does he have a canon
1: age? No.
0: Yes, and it's it's way too old for comfort. So it's never, I don't think it's ever said within the show, but I looked it up on Wikipedia and I went, oh no. Uh, he is 25, according okay. to the oh, Wikipedia. Sir.
2: So he's 25, <sighs> he's old enough that he should be figuring
1: his shit out. But he has not figured his shit out. Yeah, it, um, d- it definitely makes it, like, a, good that he's not so noncommittal, but also B, weird that he has these two, because Malerna's about the same age as Hitomi, right? So he's got, like, these two...
0: She's 17. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The, I mean, two listen... very and... young kids.
2: No, like, listen, the 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 romant, romantic parts of it are no good, but that's not what I'm focusing in on here. Like, it, you know, he became, like, he became part of the highest order of knights at such a young age. Um... And then he uh, slept with the princess mm-hmm. and had a ch- and had a secret love child. Um, whoops. <laughs> whoops. That he just, he achieved all of his achievable goals so early that like, and so I think that sort of robbed him of a lot of his sort of self-awareness or like his ability to sort of see himself as like, oh no, it's on me that I keep flirting with all the girls this is this is my fault
0: yeah and i i think on some level he is aware of it and certainly in this stretch he's he's becoming more aware of it because there are a lot of shots of him just like sadly or thoughtfully like staring at the ground um, and i'm like okay you might you might be actually reckoning with some of this with some, some of this now and um you know maybe the kind of the realization that like you've put on this this cloak of of chivalry but like look at all the treasons you've committed
1: um w- we talked last time about you know how this series is kind of poking at and and trying to critique masculinity and it's still doing that here w- but one thing i wish it had pushed at a little bit harder is the idea of who is um cheat's father is it the man who raised him or the man who gave him his genetic code and like I feel like it's mostly in the duke's camp but sometimes it feels a little bad at alan and I'm over here like no you you've known this child was here and have been not part of his life at all and I get that you kind of can't but also bro you you don't have any claims to this kid
0: no he doesn't and I, and and so far he hasn't attempted to so um i think yeah so i think going forward it'll be interesting to see how the relationship between him and and cheat uh develops if it does because cheat is now currently an orphan so you know having some parental figures wouldn't be a bad thing he is what like seven i don't know how old he is he's not very old though yeah six yeah, or seven yeah like, the,
2: seems the, f- like. The, f- the fact that he like gosh i don't know how old he is because he doesn't act like a child well, no, like, he acts like like an It's an anime a fantasy child. series, but and he's... you can you can sort of see his relationship with the Duke, his with his father, the Duke. um and yeah, there's definitely like a a strong sense of like, listen some part when the Duke yells at him to stop crying. I didn't love that did not love that but no, yeah, didn't I didn't don't love that I do not but at care the same for his time, father you can see that the that the Duke has like taken an active interest in raising him and in being his father.
0: he's eight. Okay, I'd, sorry, I, I I I wikied it. He's eight, according to the according to the Esco wiki, and they have two fathers listed on his page, which I appreciate. Nice. But yeah, I, I know, I I kind of know what you mean about that. Um, sorry, circling back a little bit to something you said, Caitlin, about um Alan's kind of lack of self awareness and that sort of just like oozing confidence he had last week and this week it is gone. Kind of by the end of, I would say by the end of the stretch of episodes, there's is, there is there is zero confidence. Uh, to that to that. Hot mess of a boy, and um, I I think that kind of ties into some of the ideas at the heart of this stretch of episodes about like kind of when Hitomi's talking, which I mentioned earlier when Hitomi's talking to Chid and she's like uh, the power of positive thinking kind of thing. You know, like if you say you can't do it, well then yeah, you're not going to be able to. But like that sense of personal confidence actively grants you power, and I think the narrative pushes that with the characters in kind of fun ways. Um, Where the more confident they become, the more active and uh, effective within the story they are. Um, Because, hey, variety is Delando okay?
1: Um, The answer to that, of course, as last week and forever into the future is no, he is not okay.
0: No. Delando is not okay. However, Delando gets shit done because Delando is always extremely confident in what Delando is doing. (laughs) Like, like Delando has a great deal of effective narrative power because of that confidence. And I think we saw that with Alan last stretch of episode and this stretch, he has been rendered like completely ineffective. Um, Vaughn's becoming more confident. Hitomi's becoming more confident in her ability to read the future accurately, which is terrifying her. And so I think that I think that interplay between um, this... And they talk about that with the Atlanteans, like, you, what did they say? Like, utilizing personal will as, like, power or magic or something to that effect. Um, so I think the series is, is leaning into that idea, and I think you see it within the character arcs, and I think that's really neat. Malerna shows up and is very confident about her doctor skills, and voila, saves the day multiple times. Go, Malerna. Yay.
1: I know you wanted to talk about the Duke's, like five minute turnaround on the one hand it's completely ridiculous on the other hand i kind of appreciate it a little bit because it's at least diverting the show away from the really boring old getting too advanced of technology is bad and we should just like old and simple things because advancement is scary And, and i like that even though it's Completely ridiculously paced. The decision to unlock the key to all that Atlantean history and knowledge is like at least acknowledging that no human beings are capable of of grasping and using knowledge and power responsibly. It's just you need the right people.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the Zybok Empire is the right. No, people. they're not. Nope. Nope. But but that sure is the decision the Duke made. No, but I agree with you, and I think that does kind of tie into this idea that we see with uh, Von and Hitomi here at the end, where it's like you know power is scary and can be dangerous, and uh, we're not sure what's going on with Vaughn in that Escaflownie right now. I genuinely don't remember because it's been a while.
1: Nope, he's had a uh, Shinji oh, moment see. where he's uh, he's just kind of souped into his Ava, I mean, guy mouth. <laughs> that,
0: <laughs> that was kind of what I was thinking too, yeah.
2: that's um, That actually is a scene that I, what's coming up is a, a scene I remember actually pretty distinctly because it gets pretty raw, um, but I won't say how um but yeah definitely Vaughn like figures out this power before he knows how to really use it or he uses it in a way that like you know hitomi never really could have considered because it isn't part of her world and things kind of go sideways with it
1: yeah and i think it, it leading in because i feel like we should touch on falcon and the doppelganger and all of that for a second but i I there is a strong sense throughout this episode of the theme of how we construct our identity like Alan doesn't know what to do him with himself because he's not the chivalrous knight he's a traitor who is also not been there who is not this man's father somebody else is and I think he kind of always had that romantic notion that he had this kid in this life he could have had and any minute he could sweep back in and do that chivalrously and just never did I don't know why I get that feeling about him Um, but there's so much like he told me was a normal schoolgirl. whenever she's really scared she goes back to that idea of that's who i was that was my role and you have the doppelganger Uh character who's like i i don't have a place i never had an identity of my own my my entire people has no identity and you know which is what draws him to falcon who's specifically rejected his identity and i don't i don't i feel like those themes are shaping up very nicely in this Mm -hmm. stretch
0: yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Um, yeah, and I like uh, the, this kind of the doppelganger's backstory is that sort of the sense of not only does he not have an identity, but like the identity of his peoples is sort of intricately tied to like war. And he doesn't want that anymore. And so Falcon shows up and says, well, you can change you you can reject that identity and find something else. Um, now, you know, he does end up murdering people and dying. So not Mm-hmm. uh not didn't not a, not didn't really work out the way the way they said it would but um i think him being sort of drawn him being drawn to falcon because of that um is mm-hmm. right. is a valuable plot point kind of about kind of about like you know um showing how falcon's I- ideals are um appealing to a lot of people who feel similarly trapped like in these specific roles or identities that they've been forced into um there's a touch of fantasy racism to it that's not Great, but it's um, I think it's not pushed at hard enough for it to be, like, super distractingly awkward. Yeah, I, I
1: mean, in general, I think Escaflone has that low-key problem that a lot of anime based on Western fantasy do, in that they're sort of thoughtlessly recreating uh, problematic issues baked into Western fantasy. Like, all of the uh, greedy uh, assessors in Malerna's kingdom have awfully large noses, etc., did not process. Didn't that. notice
0: that, but that's uh that's a fair that's a fair criticism. Yeah Yeah, so I
1: think that's kind of I, I don't think any of us are quite qualified to talk too much about that, but I feel like if our you know, if the people in the comments wanted to talk a little more about that, it's it's a thing that just happens in anime fantasy based on Western settings.
0: Well, and there's also things like the the kind of tribal makeup on uh, Zongi, the doppelganger, and we have the backstory with the Atlanteans and, you know, Von's mom being kind of a victim of fantasy racism. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I think it's, I don't think the series pushes on it hard enough for it to really feel like they're trying to do a metaphor about real world racism, but it, it's in the background and it's worth noting. Yeah. And again, we're probably not the best people to talk about it, but I did want to at least acknowledge that it it is there and I saw it and, you know, if... If folks wanted to discuss that in the comments and whatnot, like, please do feel free. Yes,
1: yes definitely. Um, But uh, I also, yeah, it's interesting how the thing with the doppelganger kind of opens up Falcon as I feel like when he talks with Vaughn, he comes across as this, this very straightforwardly tragic figure is no, no, he might be almost an antihero. And then this kind of skews more towards, well, his ideas might be good, but he's also very happy to dirty his hands with tactics that may or may not be actually better than the people he's aligned himself with.
0: Yeah, he's uh, he's absolutely using. And we kind of, we talked about this. We touched on this a little bit last week, and well, I'm sure we'll, we'll keep kind of circling back to it. Um, is he's decided to end you know all conflict with like the greatest conflict the world has ever seen um and that sense of yeah kind of like becoming becoming your enemies in order to beat them and how that's probably not gonna work out and the pushback of that is on the other side of things where we have a lot of characters who are more defined by trying to protect and you know stop fighting and you know he told me desperately wants to keep this doppelganger from dying even though He's murdered some people and, you know, tried to frame her and her friends for treason. Like, she still doesn't want him to die. And so, you know, we're starting to see that that conflict um, setting itself up in, in broader strokes, too, yeah. I
1: think. And, and on the flip side of, of Falcon, uh, Delando is still a horrible little murder machine and only getting worse about it. But these episodes point, like, I like how how the series takes time to humanize and kind of individualize his, his dragon slayers, his knights, and how much yeah. he needs mm-hmm. them. Like they're his family.
0: Yeah, I mean, he does. He does get genuinely upset about Miguel, um, being being murdered by Zonkey. Uh, even though Delandau was punching the dude like the episode prior, mm-hmm. he yeah, he does. He does definitely. You can you can see that there is a sense of attachment and loyalty there. Yeah, um. yeah. No,
2: absolutely. Delandau has his just it, all of like he is selected. All of those like him young pretty boys to have with him uh who he really does like want to see not safe but like just he doesn't like seeing them get hurt and it's kind of nice even though he's kind of horrible to him to them himself
0: oh he's it's, objectively it's, horrible
2: it's to them. it's, it's <laughs> he's pretty honestly he's dude. pretty abusive to them let's not like i was gonna know, say dude
0: like Yeah, one of his one of his buddies or one of his underlings read him a message that was not his own words, it was the words of the Emperor. And he And when the Emperor said, the don't messenger. get carried away hmm Yeah, he slapped the messenger. What an asshole. He is he's
2: objectively <laughs> uh, a D'Lando terrible little awful. monster. Yeah, no, I let Bry let your fondness for Delando let me start getting soft on him. No, he's awful.
0: <laughs> Sorry, Bri. No, I know this. It's okay, you can you can be fond of terribles who are of, uh, of characters who are terrible.
2: Just like I like um, Hygie both- in, <laughs> I like in Run with the Wind, <laughs>
0: and I'm very fond of Alan for reasons that I'm still sort of putting together as we go. Yeah. Uh, this, this is an
1: exploration for all of us.
0: Yeah, it's like here are here are characters who we know are doing the bad things, but we also kind of like them because that's how fiction works yep. sometimes, and Escaplonate has good characters yeah, and I I think Um, even when they're being shitty they're good characters
1: I all and all of just about all of the antagonists in in Escafone have a big big case of cool mode of still murder which we'll get Um, to in the coming weeks so, yeah.
0: Yeah. And we're and we're, we're definitely seeing that with uh, Falcon because when they, after they murder the Duke, I shouldn't say murder, after they're in the middle of a, of a battle and the Duke, you know, walks into a bunch of arrows. Uh, really stupid. He walked into that arrow six, 16 times. <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Fulkin shows up and is like, "Thank you for stopping the senseless fighting." And it's like, "You do remember that you're the ones who started the senseless fighting, right, bro?" <laughs> um, I really, really like Fulkin. I haven't. I, I feel like I've spent a lot of time talking about um, my affection for uh, well, the female characters, obviously, and then also Alan uh, even more obviously. Uh, I'm not sure if I've mentioned that Fulkin is my favorite character. Fulkin is my favorite character, and so um, I mean, he's
1: he's Joji Nakata. I find.
0: I mean, it's Joji Nakata. I find. Um, I find anti heroes really compelling as characters and um again his arc of sort of trying to reject this this violent society that again we talked about this last week but of trying to reject that and then falling into the trap of it again i find i find that very i think it's interesting and so anytime he's on screen i'm excited to see what he will be up to next yeah yeah he's plus i get that really good background background song with the violins and that's that's always good too
1: one last thing i guess is we're as we're sort of wrapping up is like um, a I want to give my kudos to the fact that Cheed's parentage is so very obvious from basically the word go, but like the actual unveiling of it with the the cutaway, like the cuts between uh, Malerna reading the diary and Hitomi telling the the fortune is a really well cut together scene, even though it's not a reveal at all.
2: Oh, the editing in this show is amazing. Like, the editing and storyboarding and everything is absolutely incredible. I love the show's visuals have held up unbelievably well
0: yeah it's really well put together and you're right that that scene of the two of them because and i think i remember watching this as a kid and listen i was like 13 14 i was not super quick on the uptake when it came to um not not plot points in general but like stuff involving like relationships and things like that and i remember prince Chude showing up and within like an episode my friends and i were like my friend and i were like so he's He's Alan's kid, right? Like, that's his biological father, right? Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's not subtle. And I think the show, the show I don't think pretends like it's subtle. I think the reveal is really effective, partly because of how well it's cut together, and partly because that's the moment when the characters figure it out, and it's like, oh, okay, so now Hitomi and Malerna, who have been, like, the people closest to him, really, know this what are they going to do with that knowledge because that is uh potentially very very bad knowledge like especially if the duke hadn't known and the duke freaking knew (laughs) Um,
2: listen everybody knew listen black hair and brown eyes like you're not gonna produce a child with blonde hair and blue eyes like that and the
0: kid doesn't and it's not like the kid looks a lot like Marlene. The kid looks like Alan. The kid yeah. looks extremely like Alan. Um, so it is, uh, no, it, it was super obvious. And I always I, f- I find that funny every time I watch it. Um, like the scenes where Hitomi's like, oh, I could tell they share a bond. And Maura makes a comment. Like, you guys kind of look like alike. You could and be
2: like, brothers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> and I just imagine Alan, like, on the inside just screaming <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Don't figure it out um it's delightful is my point um the 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 uh, soap opera wearing a robot suit is very very good mm-hmm. gives me feels proof. Mm-hmm.
1: um
0: so yeah that um anything else you guys wanted to talk about we are we're, pre- we're pretty much at the end of the hour here i think we covered all all the main points i wanted to cover but i want to make sure i didn't leave anything I, on the floor i
1: think i think we did all the things i wanted to talk about yeah, yeah. you know
0: it was it was a busy stretch of episodes but we got through them heck yeah
2: um i just thought it was very funny that like i turned on the first episode for this stretch and my immediate reaction is like wait why is vaughn in a coliseum because i had already forgotten the plot like of the first <laughs> six, of the first six episodes
0: <laughs> the plot points are incidental to the good good characters um and that's okay my okay so i don't the second stretch of the show i'm very fuzzy on because i've seen the first half a lot and the second half relatively fewer times because like i said last week my friends would watch it without me uh which was fine wow. i've already seen it so i didn't mind mm. no it was like i'd introduce them to the show and they'd be so into it that i'd be like well i can't get together to watch any more of it for another like week or something and they'd be like well i don't want to wait and i'd say it's fine go for it um like i will not begrudge you your excitement about an anime um so I'm a little bit fuzzier on this on this next half. I think it's Buck Wild. So folks at home, like, be ready. I think yeah. it's I think it and like this last stretch was busy. I think it gets Buck Wild in the next like six episodes. I, I, I'm pretty um, sure
1: that the one other big twist that stuck with me is in this next stretch. So that will be exciting to talk about.
0: Yeah, we're gonna. There will be. I mean, as as folks at home have probably noticed with uh, with you know, um, Alan, Alan and Marlene's whole backstory and um Falcon being Vaughn's brother. Like this is this is a show with a lot of reveals in it and that will continue to be the case and it'll be fun and sort of retroactively affect like how you look at people and we'll have a great time so look forward to that next week Um, okay folks um, we'll be off we'll be taking a break for the next show to do a one shot so you'll have plenty of time to watch the next stretch of episodes we will be doing seven again it will be episodes 14 through 20 Um, so look forward to that Um, should be lots more to talk about um, next time we all get together on this one Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chatty AF if you like what you heard we'd love it if you'd tell your friends about it and if you really like what you heard we'd really love it if you'd consider tossing a dollar or more to our patreon each month um we recently posted an editorial about how we've got some big plans in terms of doing a site overhaul and making accessibility possible we really want to get transcripts for these podcasts and we want to be able to pay someone a fair rate to do that for us so if those are things you're interested in again um dollar or more to the Patreon helps. We'll have a campaign up uh, probably when this episode airs as well. So keep an eye on that. Let folks know about it. Um, Again, your support goes a long way towards making Anime Feminist happen, both on this podcast and on the site. Um, If you are interested in more from the team and our contributors, uh, you can check us out at www.animefeminist.com, on Facebook at Anime Fem, on Tumblr at Anime Feminist, and on Twitter at Anime Feminist. And that's the show. Thanks for listening, Annie Fam, and we will catch you next time.